Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She grew up playing for the Scarborough Titans, went on to play for U of T, where she's an OUA silver medalist. She's represented Canada on the beach several times, including U19, U21, and on tour. And we think, it might be more, but it's definitely not less, she's won at least five nine-man championships and was named the MVP uh, in the Las Vegas year. Please welcome to the show, Viv Chan. Viv, thanks for doing this. A lovely intro, Josh. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we included it all. Maybe we can cover more as we go here, but... Uh, Sometimes when I get people my age on the show, when I say the club they played for, I was like, oh, that doesn't exist anymore, including mine. Shout out to the Here in Tsunami. Uh, but yours does. Like Scarborough Titans is like the OG and I think like T-West and maybe Forest City and Ontario deserve credit. But uh, when you look back, is that kind of a cool feeling where now you're a teacher and you're probably have people in your class who are Scarborough Titans, right? Oh, yeah. There are athletes that come to my school that tell me they play for the Scarborough Titans. Uh uh, or actually, they come in and they say, I play for the Titans, and I need clarification. I'm like, Scarborough or Etobicoke? Because that <laughs> will decide whether you make the team or not. <laughs> um, just kidding. I, I know when they say Scarborough Titans, they're usually in good hands. Like, having grown up, um, everybody, I mean, Mark Sutton, an OG coach that has been coaching forever, definitely uh, I understand the coaching philosophy. And most of the time, it's like, pure defense we were like always an undersized team most like underrated underdogs from scarborough um so, yeah what was your entry into club volleyball because i think the other thing some listeners need to understand is when you and i were playing uh there wasn't single age groups you couldn't play 13 14 15 16 like there was like juvenile i think was one of the categories at one point uh but also there wasn't a club on every corner like you had to try out like you were probably representing that region of the city so how did you hear what club volleyball was and how wild was the tryout? Yeah, well, my best friend or one of my best friends is Sarah Sutton, Mark Sutton's daughter. And uh, that's kind of how we got into coaching club. Like he wanted to start a team for us and a bunch of our other girlfriends. And I started when I was eight years old. And it's because Mark Sutton was also my teacher, <laughs> my elementary school teacher who just saw something like, oh, this girl's athletic, get her to come up to club. The funny story about that is that my parents knew nothing about volleyball. Like at the time they were like, no, you're doing piano dance and you're going to advocate school. I don't know, you know, <laughs> like definitely not volleyball. So it was like a lot of convincing um, for them to let me try out for this club team. They finally gave in, and it was, like, the greatest decision ever. Um, the tryouts, like you said, there weren't many club teams back then. And I will state, like, that's it. You, like, it was a one and done. Like, you didn't really bop around. <laughs> you, your loyalty was, like, to that club. Um, and, like, it's a little bit different now when people sign contracts is what I hear because I'm out of the rep uh, system. But, uh yeah, one and done, started eight years old. Our team, like those girls, started playing together at that age and continued to move on up. So when um, you say you were eight, though, you were playing 14U, because I don't think the OVA was big enough to have, like they have like 12U now, I feel like, right? Yeah, you're right. So I think back then was Bantam. It went Bantam, Midget, Juvenile, and Junior, or I don't even remember if Junior was there. But uh, I remember being so little, like just like the tiniest little tot, and then looking up to those juvenile girls. And some of them, uh, like well-known, if, if you're my age, you would know them. Like Latoya, Sparky, Sadie, they were like the most well-known girls that all got scholarships um, down south. And their coach was Mr. Cito. 
And Mr. Zito, I think, lives in Oakville now. He was like the most intense man ever, like frightening. So we would play in the little gym next to them. And like, we would kind of peek into the older girls' uh, practices and he was like drilling them. And we're like super scared that those girls were like my idols back then. So yeah, juvenile. So we would be playing Bantam. So I guess that's like 12U the equivalent. That's so cool to hear. So with you being in a, in a school gym like that, where you had your court, but the the gym next to you had role models there. Is that what sparked post-secondary for you? Like obviously you started playing volleyball at such a young age, but when did you know you could play beach at a high level or nine man or even play at U of T? Yeah. Okay. So post-secondary, I guess, uh, I always had like, like, I aspired to play in post-secondary, just having the heard that those girls would get scholarships. I guess I had the goal of playing down south. Um, also super envious of those that got to play beach down south because I was like, I missed out on it. Like I was too old. It came in only after. And I was like, oh, only if I had the chance to do that. Um, but yeah, being around girls, older girls, um, idolizing them, wanting to be just like them. Uh, and then like beach, how did that happen? Oh, I must've been 10 years old when it started picking up the OVA beach tour. Um, and like you mentioned, there weren't age groups back then. So here I am, I'm super tiny. My partner also equally as tiny playing girls that were like 16 U. So we were 10, 12 playing girls that were 16 and they had like growth spurts they had developed they were much taller than us I remember playing and they were getting so frustrated playing us because <laughs> they're like tall and they're like they can hit the ball over but here we are like out defending them and out passing them and out digging them so yeah back then with their age groups I will say that's why I kind of like pushed teams now to play up in age group like in tournaments and stuff because I was like that must have pushed us to train more or become better in beach and indoor and and just for reference for the listeners, and because I love a good name drop, uh, you would be Katie Jenkins' age, Amanda Cowdery, like Casey McTavish, and maybe Sarah Pavin's just a little bit older, maybe Heather Banzi. Like, who are some people that you would be playing uh, with and against an indoor? I think we were talking before the show, you and Sam Ainsworth are, are the same cohort in the same city. So uh, just, uh, again, just name drop a little bit just for reference of who who you were teammates with and who you battled with. Yeah, those are like the OG beach girls. So like Casey McTavish, Kate Eckert, um, Kaylee Whitaker is a year or two younger, Amanda Cowdery, Kate Jenkins, and actually during my high school years had played Sarah Pavin at OXA, uh, which was amazing to do. Like Kim Todd at the same, like another name, really old name, OG name, Kim Todd back then in high school. Yeah, I remember that's the that's the original crew where like kind of Timo Beach started and right. like youth national team stuff. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to age you, but I think were you on the first Timo Beach? I think so. Yeah, I, I'm not exaggerating. I think so too. Yeah, it was a long time ago, and I think um, it there there were certainly athletes that uh, moved on and continued to play provincial team or national team but I remember it being so fresh and raw that they were recruiting a lot of indoor players who had like never played beach before and it was like potential like oh this person has potential but like you're on team Ontario and now the caliber is like so high (laughs) it's funny to think about how successful it is now where like yeah it happened in your age class where 
Uh, when I worked at the OVA, uh, Ontario Summer Games was a big event, but when I traced it back, because we always talk about tweaking the format or what was done in the past, I think your era may have started with a king and queen of the beach just because there wasn't that many beach teams or they wanted so many people to try it that uh, something that's like kind of a major games turned out to be just a play with everybody. It wasn't even like a formal tournament or a regional thing. I think they were just trying to get people to try beach seriously, right? At the Ontario Summer Games? Yeah. Yeah, it was so it was so small. It like I I don't even think there were many there were enough there were not enough age groups, that's for sure, to like break it down. And then there weren't that many teams, but you would have kids that were like 15, 16, 17, 18, like you know, like all playing in one grouping, I think. So um with you, I, I think we need to look this up, but I think uh, between you and I guessing and having a pretty good educated guess, I think you're the first female pair to represent Canada at the U19. So just take me and the listeners through that qualification, because obviously you're playing volleyball at a high level. You're doing well on the provincial circuit, the national circuit. Uh, how did you hear that Youth World Championships was a thing and that you had a chance to go? Uh, okay, so I also didn't know the official date. Had to look this up, but the very first... Uh, U19 Worlds was 2002, and Kate Jenkins and I attended uh, the World Championships in France in 2005. And like, we're both five six. Like, I think Kate's five five. And at the time, we didn't have like Team Canada Beach National Training. I will like do the most, the biggest name drop and the biggest shout out here, but like her man started a beach club and without him we would not have had the training because we didn't have a national team like youth training uh we didn't have like dance view we didn't have like it was crazy so anyway it was Hernan that put in the effort to start this club up um he coached us and we had trained at beach blast which is no longer a thing everybody but (laughs) like Oh, Beach will bless a lot for giving us their space. And Fernand was there, um, coached like a small group at first. There may have been like four to six of us. And then the club grew a little bit. But the qualifier for this was really interesting. There was only one male team ahead of us. Uh, we had Adam Pistaka and Reed Hall, who attended the year before us. I guess the Beach Volleyball world started saying like, okay, we can enter a male and a female team. The qualification was so small. Like you won nationals. Um, and then they did like a qualifying tournament of like the top eight teams. And if you won that tournament, you got the birth to go. But yeah, once again, this was, I think I was 16. Um, and here you have a five, six, five, five athlete who didn't even block. Like you didn't, we didn't learn how to block. We didn't split block. We didn't do anything. We were just purely defense. And we show up in France and you've got like Brazil and like very tall Russian girls who were blocking. And I, I mean, for a little bit, we probably confused them because they didn't understand having no blocker on defense. But yeah, it was hard to contend, uh, but it was certainly like a wonderful experience. Yeah. Just for, for reference, if people want to go down the rabbit hole, uh, Barbara, who's still playing on world tour, she won that tournament. Uh, Julia Sude was there. Uh, Liliana Fernandez, who's an Olympian from Spain, was there. 
Uh, Bakara Palmer uh, was from Australia. She didn't win this one. She won the next one you're at. So uh, you're playing against people who are on like the pathway to be uh, Olympians in our sport. And like you said, you didn't block. Uh, you're used to playing OVA and Volleyball Canada tournaments where maybe you're like player refing and stuff. And now you show up like, uh, was it a little bit shocking at first? Or were you just so excited to see that like our sport could have a center court and could be professional and seeing people from other countries? Yeah, I feel like it's come a long way. Like one, um, like this is like aside from the skill itself, but I was mentioning earlier, we did not even have Team Canada gear. Like when they got us some stuff, it was like some ratty tatty like tracksuits, and we were like so excited that it said Canada on it. Um, and then when it came to like our like sports bras and our bottoms, it was they, it was kind of like a no rules thing. It was like go ahead, go get your own. And like, just, they need to be matching. And that was the first year. So it was like still super fresh and raw. Like we didn't know the rules, but, uh, yeah, I, I continuously, like when I watch the Olympics and I see the athletes that you mentioned, I am so impressed that that's the path they continued on and they've like excelled at it. Like, seriously, there are people like on the men's side as well, Alexander, um, Brower from Netherlands, who I like became friends with in Bermuda. I, I, I messaged him one time when I saw him in the Olympics. I was like, dude, I can't believe you're living at your dream. Like, this is amazing. And we like met each other when we were like 18 years old. So super cool to see people uh, continue on that path. Yeah, the, uh, this is amazing just to hear your experience. So uh, what was it like going to a world championship and then being, you know, ready for homeroom and being back in high school? Was that kind of like a, an interesting vibe that you were so young and like, I'm, I'm sure it was a big deal to people back home, but it, it just didn't get the attention it feels like it does today or or the uh, support it gets. Because like you said, you're going in a year where, for reference for our listeners, we didn't have a national team head coach till 2009. We didn't have a, a full-time training facility. Like, Thankfully, there was people in the community like Hernan, uh, like the Shermer family to open Beach Blast. But it, it seems like you were like the, the foundation of, of really building it here where it's it's cool to see what you accomplish. But I don't think kids today can relate at all, right? Yeah, it's, well, without social media and, like, before YouTube blew up, like, uh, I was going to say, you probably have video clips of people when you do these interviews. I'm like, I don't have <laughs> clips from worlds. Like, it's wild to think that, like, you know, if it's not broadcasted or you can't, like, stream it anywhere. But, yeah, to answer the first part of the question, it's a very interesting, um, it was very conflicted at the time. So, as we know, like maybe funding has improved, but isn't always the greatest, like with the sport that we play. Um, but when I was in grade 11, my high school team, the volleyball team actually uh, committed to go to a trip to Hawaii to play volleyball and soccer as like a March break uh, for the girls that played on the volleyball team and the soccer team. We just kind of like combined and I was dying to go to Hawaii. Like who doesn't want to go to Hawaii? So like had like committed to it, paid a deposit. And then all of a sudden Volleyball Canada is like, oh, we're hosting this qualifier. And if you win, you go to France. And it just so happened, it overlapped. So here I am, we won. I was like, yay, we get to go to Worlds. But like you said, like no one knew what the meaning of it was. <laughs> and I'm like, but I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> like, and then I was like, no, this is like, come on, you get to represent Canada. Like how cool is this? So obviously I went to France, uh, missed out on my Hawaii trip, but, uh, yeah, going 
like the kids these days, like they get a lot more recognition and support. And like you said, when they go back in the classroom, it's like super cool. Their friends see that they, they got to travel and play high level ball or like cheer them on from afar. And ours was just like, Oh, cool. <laughs> like, you're just, you're good at volleyball. Great. But like, I don't even know what you did. Awesome. Right. Right. So as you're progressing through uh, your athletic career, Beach wasn't going to be an option. Like for full reference, like people don't need to understand that NCAA Beach is like decades away from like actually being like a serious thing here. So, uh, but you choose to go to U of T, which I think in Ontario, at least, and probably Canada, you could argue supports beach players the most. Like I think Christine Drakeage being a great beach player herself, but some athletes like it, it seems like that school supports people on the beach pathway. Was that something appealing in the recruiting process or did you want to stay close to home? Did they have what you wanted to study? Like when you're narrowing down, do I want to go US? Do I want to leave the province? Do I want to stay home? Like what stood out that U of T was going to be the spot? Yeah, I, a lot of things played, um, came into play here. Um, didn't mention this earlier, but club, Christine and Christine Drakeage and Jolie Christian started a club team like a Toronto blues. And when they started this team, uh, I think it was in hopes to do like some type of recruiting, but also like youth development. And so I left the Scarborough Titans in grade 11 and 12 to go play for this team. And in some ways I thought, uh, it would help me become a better player, potentially go to U of T. Like I didn't, I had my eyes set on it cause I, heard how great of a program they had. I studied Pizet and Kin there, um, as well as the beach coaching that we'd get like off season from Christine. Uh, at the same time, I also applied to York because Fernando was my coach. <laughs> and like, I knew I would be like, I loved him as a coach. He was the best and um, knew that I would connect well with him. And then my third university was Queens and, um, they certainly did a really good recruiting job, but at the end of the day, I knew the stats of like, or like the results that U of T had um, pulled out of like the last decade or like before I went and they had like reached the final four, had done really well. I met a few people there. I will say that um, I knew that Jeff Chung was there too. <laughs> and so I knew I had spoken to him. I knew a few other players like Steve Kong, one of my best friends there. Um, so I knew it was a good program. I knew it was a good school. I knew I would get beach training off season. And like, to be honest, I've gotten looking back at some of the names, uh, played with Heather Bansley, played with Christina Valias. Like, that's amazing. Like I've gotten to play with several Olympians and played against and played with. So a wonderful experience. Yeah, I forgot about uh, the the Blues club team there because uh, in, in your context, Joe Lee was on staff at U of T, would go on to coach at Queens and now is the RMC head coach. So uh, again, just some context for the listeners, but uh, did you ever feel pressured that that was going to be a U of T pipeline? Because I think if we traced it back, you, Bansley, and Valius were on that club team that all went to U of T. Uh, I know you mentioned you, you did apply to York and Queens, but uh, was the lion's share of your club team going to go into the pipeline of U of T? Yeah, it was an interesting system. I would say uh, like 80% of the athletes ended up going to U of T. I very specifically remember this one practice. Um, Jolie had people go in like private uh, one-on-ones in, in 
I don't know, in a separate area, like the practice was happening. And then she had us go into a separate room and she was just kind of asking us like, not like very informally, like, what are your plans next year? Like, um, in, in a way to be like, Hey, like, are you looking into U of T or if, it, if it's somewhere else, maybe we could help you as well type thing. Like there was no pressure, but it was funny. Cause as soon as I mentioned the work of Queens, she was like, oh, darn it. Like, really? Like, like we thought we had you with this club. Like, you know, like she didn't say that like explicitly, but I think their goal was to lure in a bunch of people know that they would get really great coaching and hopefully um, connect in order to get them to go to U of T. No pressure though, but a lot of, a lot of the athletes did like filter into U of T. And what was that jump like for you going from club? Like obviously you've been playing club since you were eight years old. Uh, but to go from that to the OUA, uh, was that a pretty big jump, uh, not only skill wise, but like socially playing with adults or because you had played uh, a beach circuit that didn't really have age groups and a nine man that certainly doesn't have age groups. Like, were you fine with the, the skill level and jump and maturity? Yeah, I found that, um, well, it was that like cohort of girls or young women was amazing. And I had like known some of them previously. So it wasn't too nervous about playing with them. They were like tons of great leaders there. Mila Miguel, one of our my favorite captains on that team. And same with Michelle Wood, super successful head coach of Acadia now. Um I I wouldn't say I was super nervous and I would say partially because uh playing for the Toronto Blues, you got to play at U of T sometimes. So like going into that environment previously and knowing the gym and like having Christine kind of tell you about the school, the programs, like it kind of made you feel really comfortable prior to like going right into like varsity, varsity level uh, playing. But I will say it was like a huge transition. I, I was very much used to, um, uh, kind of being well very competitive and having some success and and then varsity level kind of it was very different because you didn't like necessarily start in your first year like I can't say many have but those that did like amazing but you had to learn how to be a team player but also be the play a role player where you would then challenge the starters in practice like that's kind of the mindset I had and then your time will come like Christine gave us the chances to go on as, as rookies and gave us the playing time. Uh, and we like had that we had earned, but it was a different mindset. Cause like when I was growing up, I had always started on my club team. Same with beach. You're just, it's two players, but that thing about like being a role player in varsity and earning your playing time is something I had to get used to. And when you look back at that experience, obviously Christine's a great coach and I'm sure some stuff has changed as she's progressed through her career, but uh, your team seemed like it went to a final four every single year. Like it's, it's an odd year. Like last year was an odd year for them not to make playoffs, let alone not make final four. So when you look at like the uh, consistency of success, uh, excuse me, is that something that she brings with the culture? Like, do you think that it changes every few years? Like what, what stands out at your time that maybe still applies today to the program? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a stats person, but I'm pretty sure at this point she might be at what 25 years of coaching plus and ha- maybe hasn't attended the final four three times. I'm guessing it's like yeah, it's like crazy. Um so uh 
sorry, ask, you can ask the question again. I forgot after I thought of that point, I forgot. Uh, just what stands out in your mind of why the program is uh, consistently at, at such a high level? And I know you're not taking credit and you're not in touch with the program that you know what's going on in practice today, but I imagine there's some stuff that's still a standard or a commitment to a philosophy that, that she does so well that, like you said, uh, probably 80%, 90% of her career has been a Final Four team. Yeah, totally. Um, I would say, wow, there are many factors, actually. Um I feel like the the type of athletes that you get at U of T and that one of the main like coaching philosophies I've like carried on as well for myself is that like you're first and foremost trying like they're phenomenal athletes, but you're trying to develop successful adult like humans. So those that have applied to U of T, I feel like academically hard school to get into. So you're like extremely heart driven. And you have like hot, like very high work ethic. Um, and so that's one thing that was like demonstrated on the court as well, you know, like, so there was a good balance of that type of like academic athlete. Um, and you can see like lots of intelligent, very knowledgeable, high IQ players. So that's one, um, Christine herself just, um, creates this culture where it's like, like you work really hard, but we certainly develop like a family. So I noticed more and more that when the girls on the team were super tight, super close, very familiar with each other, you on the court, you just kind of flow. That's kind of the, like kind of contributes to the success of, of the program and the team. And when you look back, uh, was final four something you guys talk about? Is that a goal or is that kind of a ripple effect of the things you talk about that everybody's hardworking in their own personal life? Everyone's hardworking in the gym. Uh, there, there is like a family aspect to the team. Like, is that just something that happens or is that something that you're like writing on the whiteboard that this is what we want to accomplish this year? Yeah. Good question. Like in my first year, I don't even think I knew what, final four was like I like I to be honest I was so oblivious like I feel like we held a lot of team meetings we would talk about it and then uh it was great because like you said we like started writing things on the whiteboard we were brainstorming on like how we can achieve this as a team like lots and lots of team meetings to try and make sure our goal was to well, win and compete, right? Like, I feel like it's a little bit of a faux pas to mention it at the beginning, like you don't want to like jinx it or curse it. But um, it, it was the mentality going in, in our later years, it was like, we want to win, we want to win Final Four. Now, since you've entered coaching, is that ever something you look back at your time at U of T where, yeah, you're battling like crazy, everybody wants to play, but you still develop friendships. Like I'm, I'm thinking of people who played similar positions to you, and I would say uh, you're, you're friends with them. Like you're friends with Michelle Wood, you're friends with Heather Bansley, where you're both trying to be uh, ball control outsides or play libero or be the defensive specialist, where I think that's a cool thing where you're pushing each other, but you're still friends at the end of the day. Oh yeah. That's, um, I honestly, those girls, that was your lifeline in university. Like <laughs> I would say the U of T, um, phys ed program is quite small and you make friends, but I felt like they were my second family. Well, because I didn't live at home. They were like my first family on campus basically. So yeah, first and foremost, I feel like you build these like very strong bonds with the girls. Um, and uh, I also went through coaching myself. I like immediately try and tell the girls, like as a team, if you want to win, 
you have to really be together and like basically love each other. You need to work through this together and you cannot be cliquey in any way. Cause like, you know, there are cliques and young females. It's really easy to have that happen. And I can I would like admittedly say it did, it does happen. But at the end of the day, uh, our goal was to play together as a team. So I love that. Like nowadays I can still reach out to them, like talk to Heather, talk to Michelle, ask them questions, or we have a reunion every year. It's really lovely to see them and talk about life, right? Like we did go through a very, um, very important time of our lives together. Yeah. That's so cool to hear. And, to uh... To bounce around a little bit, I'm wondering where is the timing with your entry into the nine-man circuit? Uh, you mentioned when you were deciding on U of T, you already knew Jeff Chong and were really good friends with Steve, and I imagine that happened through nine-man. So uh, managing club and beach and everything else you had on the go, uh, when did you learn that you could play uh, this awesome version of volleyball with the Asian community? Yeah, uh, I think I started with him when I was 15. Super, super young. I must have been one of the youngest players at the time. Like you mentioned earlier, it's no age group. So you could be 15, you could be 40, <laughs> and 40 plus. Um, so I've heard about them. And this is like legendary man in the volleyball world, Robert Chung. <laughs> Robert Chung refs high school games. I'm playing at Birchmount, Birchmount Park Collegiate. He's roughing my game. At the end of the game, we're shaking hands with the refs. And uh, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, are you, are you full Chinese? <laughs> I was like, who is this man? And what is this question? <laughs> I'm 15, but I was like, yeah. And then he hands me a piece of paper with his phone number on it. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? He's like, call me. Yeah. Nightman volleyball, and I was like, never heard of it in my life. I never even watched videos. I guess at the time, YouTube wasn't even a thing. I was in grade 10 or 11. So uh, I don't call. I'm so focused on club and beach. I'm like, what is this like weird Asian volleyball thing? This is like a third thing that I cannot add on. Um, I'm like, no, I'm like pretty, like pretty much enjoying beach. Very good at like, you know, like it's very skillful, like loving it. Like, there's no way this thing can be real. So then I get a call one day, and it's another coach from the club, um, Connex. And he's like, hey, like, what are you doing next weekend? And I was like, uh, nothing. Like, I don't have a beach tournament. It's Canada Day. I don't think there was a beach tournament on that weekend. And he was like, great. You're on the roster for our club. Just come on out to Mississauga. Just bring your shoes. You're playing indoor. And I was like, what's happening? He's like, I told all the girls about you already. You're, you're playing. No problem. I show up and I don't know anybody. And I will add, this is like a cultural experience that I'm so happy to be a part of. Like growing up playing um, club volleyball, I can only name a handful of Asians at the time like super minority uh, playing club volleyball. And now the sport has grown. So at side note, my parents were so happy because they were like, oh, you can make like Asian volleyball friends. <laughs> like, cool. You can learn about your culture. So I show up Mississauga outside. It's like the most amount of Asian people I've seen in one place. And then I, I don't even know what the team jerseys look like. I don't know a single person by face. And then someone comes up to me. It was Hank Ma. 
And he was like, oh, uh, can I help you? Like, who are you looking for? And I was like, I think like Robert, Robert Tong. I don't know. And he was like, oh, you're, you're a conics girl. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't, at this time, I don't even know what that means. Like, it can be good or bad. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be affiliated with them. I don't know. So anyways, they uh, had me setting that tournament. And I was like, please, can I hit? Like, I want to play left side so bad. I, I had started as a setter when I was younger because of my height and because of like being agile and like whatever, because of my height mostly. Um, but then I developed some type of vertical at some point and some power that I was like, oh, I want to play left side. So then I kept begging them, begging them to hit. They're like, we'll let you play right side for like one game. I, they did not, they've never seen me hit before. So I play right side and the packing the girl in the face and they were like, Ooh, okay. So maybe she can hit, maybe we'll have someone else set. <laughs> and that's kind of how I got into nine man. So I was 15 at the time. I really did enjoy them. Like Hojin, Robert Chung, Jeff Chung, all those guys, super welcoming. Uh, they treated me like a little sister. And then, uh, the next year the tournament was held in Toronto. And that's when we won. And they were like, wow, we did not think we could win with a 16-year-old on the team, but you are the secret weapon, I guess. Or like, there were lots of phenomenal women on that team as well at the time. Like Elodie, who played at U of T, I got to play with her. So anyways, that's how I started in Nine Man. Amazing, amazing. And as you progressed, uh, I know you mentioned the culture there. How cool was that to be a part of it? And I hope I'm not overstepping as somebody who was on, on the perimeter there, but uh, I thought it was so cool the way the major rotates through like the original cities, uh, just culturally. I mean, the banquet, uh, everyone's super competitive, but super respectful. Like, I, I think it's it's so impressive the way they're able to hold the culture and still have like a high level sport. But I, I'm wondering who's somebody who's actually Chinese going through that. Like, how cool was that experience to see uh, how many people care about this sport and contribute to it in so many different ways? Yeah, the community has certainly grown. Um, like for the longest time, I think early on they didn't even have it tiered, and now they do because there are so many teams. Um, if I'm being honest, early on I was so focused on winning that I didn't pay attention too much about building the friendships and like the culture and the community. Like I felt like it was more like I get in there, I got a job, and I want to win. And then later on, I recognized how fun it was to meet people all across North America. Like I've got some good friends in San Francisco. I see that you've interviewed Justin Lamb um, from Smash. But like those guys are like my buddies. I chat with them all the time. Uh, like next year, if it's in San Francisco, like I'm fully out of, like I'm retired. But I might just do like a bit of a comeback season just to hang out and sub me in for one set type thing. But yeah, like... Um, it's it, they really incorporate a lot of things to get people who are players and people who are just like spectators and supporters who want to like fully immerse in that like community and the culture to really understand the sport. So I feel like they've done a fantastic job. It's like, especially from like the lion dances, the banquet, like, and once again, it gives you an opportunity to build bonds with like other awesome volleyball players. And you've, you've played on the circuit. I'm wondering what were some memorable uh, venues? Obviously, you've had a ton of success. And I think we discussed before the show, you've won Toronto three times, which is awesome to, to play in front of family and friends. But uh, 
when I look back at my experience on the circuit, I thought the New York mini was the coolest thing because you're, you're in Chinatown in New York, you're playing outside on tennis courts or in the street or wherever the courts are. Uh, I just thought like that, that spoke to the culture and the community the most to me, but I'm wondering uh, in your experience, what were some cool places you got to play? Yeah. Your point about playing in Chinatown is huge. Cause like in New York, it's super funny. You've got the old Chinamen squatting, like popping a cigarette. They're like placing bets on the final. That's like, you're like in it. Like that is, that's true. Like culture right there. So, um, yeah, New York is, is like super, how do I explain New York? Love the city, but like it was, it's by far my least favorite, not actually say my least favorite. It is just the hottest yeah. and the muggiest and the dirtiest. But playing wise, it, it, there's like tons of, um, they have a lot of teams down there. So I think they, they run a good like community for, for nine man volleyball. Um, honestly, my favorite and, and it might contribute like one thing that might contribute to it is when we played in Las Vegas, like a few things. It was a double win for, for the Connex teams, the men's and women's team. The, the guys that played on that men's team, uh, if people didn't know, like Ray Zito played on that team, unstoppable, uh, along with Steve Punk. So like those two together on that team, unreal. But the women's team, uh, we had a very, very good team, a lot of OUA players as well. But it, uh, what I loved about it was that we played on sport court. So it wasn't on cement for once. <laughs> and then we played an indoor venue. But I really liked this time because they let the women's finals go first on, on center court, which then allowed people to like cheer us on, which is like sweet because like most of the time people watch the nine man finals, like the men's, but they did the women's first and then the men's right after. And I felt like, great. Like I actually felt a sense of like equality there. Like you, like, you know, people should support both sides. Um, and it was a double win. And then Vegas, of course, is super fun. Like all the team, I've never gotten closer to the teams, like other than in Vegas. I feel, I feel like because everyone else feels like it's their hometown. So there's like a little bit like they're territorial, but no one lives in Vegas. So it was like, cool. Like we're, we, we like very much bonded in Vegas. That was my favorite one. Yeah, th this has been great. Uh, one thing I just thought of in talking about, you know, at Titans, you had role models and obviously, uh, hopefully beach players can consider you a role model with everything you've accomplished on the nine man circuit in the community there. Uh, one cool thing I, I think you do as a teacher is bringing in guest speakers where sometimes your students are lucky where they get to meet like Sarah Wells or some other people that you know through your network. Uh, I'm wondering now that you look back at your volleyball career, is that just something that you value because you always had role models, whether it was like Jeff with Connex or like you said, the Titans girls, the gym beside, like, do you just think that's a cool thing for kids to look back and have these people that like, Oh, if they can do it. I can do it. And it's so cool to see people who are only a few years older than you accomplishing so much. Right. Yeah. That's a really good question. It's, it's funny because as a coach and I'm sure many coaches um, will agree that like, if they hear the same voice and no matter what your accomplishments are, they don't, they don't like listen to you as much or don't, they don't give you credit for your accomplishments. So like, despite what I tell them, although the kids do love, they love me. I, and I love them too, but um, I love having guest speakers in or some other type of um, very successful athlete come in. Uh, Cause for myself, when, when I was younger and other people, other athletes I idolized and I hadn't mentioned their names before, but obviously John Child and Marquise, they were like, I can't believe how closely we got to work with them. Like looking back at all the coaches I've worked with, 
Uh, but these are like legendary athletes. Like, and because the sport wasn't as big and, and as do athletes now, they like train on the same beach as the Olympians, you know, like how cool is it? Like at Ashbridge's or like we used to film uh, CBC like episodes for Mark and John, like they were promoting beach and I was probably 10 and we were like their kids that they were like demonstrating skills with. They like, um, Annie Martin, like if people asked who your favorite athlete was when I was younger, I threw Annie Martin in there. Undersized, super athletic freak beach volleyball player. Amazing. Like legendary. Uh, so yeah, so the reason why I bring in guest speakers is because having met these athletes in my past, like they sparked a moment for me. So anytime I bring in people, a new voice, another success story, or like a, it could be a failure as well, but people that like, I just imagine kids, uh, being influenced in a very positive way, or it's sparking something that like drives them to want to be better or be more curious about like how they can improve their skills or, or other things like their mental game or, you know, or technical skills. Yeah. That, that, that's so cool to hear. And I think it's great that you do build a relationship with your students that they just know you as Miss Chan and not all these things you've accomplished, but uh, maybe we should try to find some video or just some pictures with you and John and Mark, or uh, if we can find that MVP photo with you and Kevin Wong, I think that'd be cool for them to see that you're, you're at the peer level of an Olympian like that. So uh, no, it's just so cool to hear about everything you've accomplished and, and talk about your career and, and tell some stories. But uh one tradition we try to build in the show is just to tell a funny or unique story where you, you've accomplished so much in your career. You've played nine-man beach indoor, but something odd or unique must have happened along the way. So I was hoping you could share one more story before we let you go. Sure. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this one, not necessarily name-dropping or doesn't tie many people, but I'm sure uh, elite-level or high-level volleyball players may have experienced this in their life at some point. So. I was uh, traveling to Miami Beach with just one of my friends. She is not a volleyball player, but I thought um, how cool it would be to walk along the beach and like was itching to play. Like this is, I'm done. I'm done playing at this point. Um, I must have been like 25, 26, 27. And so I'm just like itching to play, not thinking anything, but like how cool would it be to say like you got to play some volleyball in Miami Beach, like, like ADP happens, like cool stuff, you know? Um, I'm walking by a group of women playing. They they were scrimmaging at this point, so they must have practiced, but they're scrimmaging. It wasn't, it didn't seem like they were necessarily training because I wouldn't interrupt a training group, but they just seemed like they were playing. And I am more introverted than most people think. So like I don't approach people very easily. But I was like, oh, I just want to play like one game. I go up to these women. You can imagine what they were like. They were your typical beach volleyball build, like tall, um, like a little bit lankier, and they, they've got skill. But they, like, if people don't know me, uh, I guess, like, I'm not your typical volleyball player. I'm very unassuming, let's just say that. Like, you wouldn't think, like, I would play volleyball. So they kind of, like, I asked nicely. I was like, hey, do you girls mind if I, like, pop in in a game? Uh, I'm super shy about it. And they were just like, mm -hmm. they kind of like looked me up and down. They're like, mm -hmm. sorry, like they didn't know what to say. And I was like, okay. Uh, but if any of you, like if you're done this game and one of you wants to be my partner, cause I don't really have a partner. Uh, I'd love to play like one game against you guys just for fun. 
one very nice woman was like, Hey, okay, I'll, I'll play this game with you. Um, so we hop in there. The other two women just kind of look, look down on us. Like, Oh, this is going to be easy. Like we're going to stomp on you guys. Here we are. I'm like starting to play like more, like no warm up, but I'm like warming up, like serving, serving a little tougher, uh, started to like make some shots, not really hitting yet, but they were, they were having some difficulty like defending. Like I was digging up some balls. They were getting kind of mad at this point. I'm like serving them off the court, like picking it up. So by the end of the game, uh, we end up winning. And I was like, Oh, okay. I like was not in game form at all, but was shocked that I could keep up. And I kindly asked them, I was like, Hey, do you guys want to play best two out of three? And they were just like, I think we're done. We're done for today. <laughs> I was like, okay, like I wasn't trying to hustle you guys or try to do anything, but you know, like I just wanted to play for fun, but thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I always get that. Like if, if I walk around, no one ever really thinks like I play volleyball. So I feel like as true to myself as that is, like, I always feel like the underdog, like super competitive, but like underdog that is very unassuming. <laughs> No, that's awesome. And I know we didn't talk about it on this episode, but you do love to travel where I can just picture nine man beach indoor. Uh, if grass ever takes off in Canada, I imagine you'll be on the best team for that. So I, I think if there's a ball on a net, you're going to dominate. So it's just cool that you found a way to uh, work yourself in there to a cool experience. Thanks. Yeah, well, I'm going to call this my comeback season, but we'll see. Like if, if this even gets back to 80 to 100 percent i don't know my back might throw out so i don't know what it will be but i hope to get back on the court yeah just for our our listeners because we are an audio show you're pointing to your shoulder nobody sees you on camera right now but uh (laughs) yeah you just had a pretty gnarly surgery that hopefully you're back and better at maybe you'll be stronger who knows how these surgeries work these days i know i'm hoping it's stronger Well, this has been awesome. Sorry I had to start a podcast so you and I could catch up again, but it was so cool. Uh, you and I have been friends for a while, but I got to hear some behind the scenes and I, I didn't know about some of the stuff of your career. So thank you for, for sharing all that you did. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome.